traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome, folks. You're listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio WABC. I am your host, Steve Moore. Uh, By the way, let me remind you that if you are not getting our Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline, you've got to be you've got to get that. Uh, It is uh, one of the most popular summaries of what's going on with the economy, with politics, with covid Uh, We deliver it five mornings a week right to your computer screen. All you have. And by the way, you're going to love this. It is free. It costs you nothing. So if you want to be the smartest guy in the room and and be on top of all the economic and political news of the day, uh, just sign up for the Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline. It's uh, it's uh, Newt Gingrich was telling me the other day. And and so did uh, my friend Senator Rand Paul. That is one of the first things they read every morning. And uh, we want to get it to you and your friends. Uh, and if uh, I don't care if you're a conservative, a liberal Democrat, Republican, uh, if you want some uh, good news about the free enterprise system and uh, how to preserve it, uh, get the hotline. And to do that, just go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity website. That's Committee to Unleash Prosperity and sign up and we will send it to you every single morning of the week, not on the weekend, but of the week. So uh, I hope you will sign up for that. Uh, happy Labor Day weekend. Uh, I consider this uh, the last kind of official weekend of the summer. Uh, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous day across the East Coast. So uh, when you're done listening to more money, we're on every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. Get out and enjoy the sunshine and enjoy the fresh air. You know, I've said this for a year and a half now uh, on the show that uh, the best disinfectant, the West best way to keep yourself safe from COVID and the Delta variant is get outside, get fresh air, get sunlight. Vitamin D is, is the sunlight and, uh, and exercise. <laughs> Those are great ways to stay healthy. I think one of the dumbest things we've done in this country, and especially in states like New York and New Jersey and Connecticut, my home state of Illinois, where you've got blue state uh, you know, uh, Democratic governors are locking everybody up. The worst thing you can do for people's health is keep them locked up in their home and apartment and not having them go back on the job. So get out, get out and enjoy this incredible, beautiful, beautiful day. As soon as I'm done with this show, I am going to get out. I, I played tennis this morning. I'm going to go out, try to squeeze in a round of golf uh, if I can uh, after the show is over. Um, so again, happy Labor Day weekend. It's wonderful to have a three-day weekend. And uh, I want to get right down to it since it is Labor Day weekend in terms of what's happening with our economy right now. As you know, the More Money Show is really about the intersection of politics, policy, 
economics and the money in your wallet and how to make more of it. And uh, I am concerned about what's going on with the policies in Washington. I think that Joe Biden is moving us in the wrong direction. He gave a speech yesterday after some disappointing, not terrible job numbers, but they were a little disappointing. The economy is slowing down. Some of that is due to the Delta variant, no question about it. But also we have uh, policies that are just anti-growth. And I was listening to Joe Biden talk about, oh, we got to sock it to the rich and we're going to really hit them hard and they're going to pay their fair share and all of these things. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, hold on. The top 1% in this country, the richest 1%, just think, think about this for a minute. What percentage of the income tax, the federal income tax, do you think are paid by the top 1%? Do you think it's under 20%? Do you think it's under 30%? Do you think it's under 40%? If you think it is, you're wrong. The latest statistics tell us that the richest 1% pay about 42% of all income taxes. So one out of 100 are paying 42% of all the income taxes. And Joe Biden's saying that's not enough. Now, there are companies and there are individuals who get away with paying nothing. And we have to find ways of broadening the tax base and making sure that everybody does pay their fair share. But raising our tax rates on our businesses, our small businesses, our corporations, our women-owned businesses, our minority-owned businesses to 40 and 50%, I think is outrageous. I think it's going to have a very negative impact on our economy. You know, the champions, the heroes of our economy are the people who work and the people who own and start businesses. And, you know, I've started three small businesses in my lifetime. Two of them failed. One of them was a success, uh, not a huge success, but it made money and uh, and it was a, a successful venture. But uh, that, by the way, one out of three is a pretty good, you know, about one out of three small businesses make it. The other two out of three fail. And incidentally, in life, there is nothing wrong with trying and failing, right? This is one of the most important life lessons. Trying and failing is not a sin. It's not embarrassing. What is embarrassing is not trying at all, not going for it. Go for it. Try to make money and, and employ people. You know, when you think of these small businesses, whether they have five or 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 employees, those are jobs they created for other people. I don't understand why Washington, D.C. and my liberal friends want to smash the people who are successful. Interesting article uh, by the American Enterprise Institute the other day about Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos has an enormous wealth, enormous wealth. He's if he's not the richest person in the world, he's in the top five, right? He obviously, Jeff Bezos is the man who created Amazon. And, you know, he's paid a lot of taxes over his lifetime. But the point of this article is that Jeff Bezos, by starting Amazon, just didn't just make himself rich. He made tens and tens of thousands of people rich. He's created millionaires. If you own Amazon stock, if you bought it at the beginning, you're a millionaire today. You could be a secretary, you could be a nurse, you could be uh, someone just doing some day trading with your excess uh, uh, income that you have from your day job. He's making millionaires out of people because he's found a way to provide a service that people want, which is an incredible delivery system where you, you, know, you can look something up and you can get it delivered 
in many cases to your doorstep in 24 or 48 hours. That's an incredible thing. And uh, why do why do we treat these people like they're villains? You know, one of my best friends in the world, somebody who I really admire, is Fred Smith. Fred Smith is the CEO uh, and president and founder of FedEx, a great, great American company. And FedEx is one of the great iconic American companies, a multi, multi hundred billion dollar company. And by the way, FedEx did an incredible job during the COVID crisis of continuing to deliver packages so that, you know, when we were stuck in our homes, we could get our food, we could get uh, the supplies that we needed. A lot of that was delivered by FedEx uh, and and it's a it's incredible system of distribution and warehousing and delivery people. Uh, amazing, amazing operation. Uh, FedEx, by the way, is uh, headquartered in Memphis, Tennessee. But Fred Smith is a billionaire. He's a billionaire. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a billionaire, but I know some billionaires, and he is one of them. Uh, he has, I think, eight or nine kids. He's an amazing man. He served in the Marines, and uh, you know he is a brother in arms. He is an incredible, incredible patriot. And think about this. Fred Smith, has one man and his idea. But by the way, you probably know this story, but when he was in graduate school, I think it was at Harvard, one of the major graduate schools in business. It might not have been at Harvard, might have been Yale, but whichever one it was, he came up with this idea of a delivery system that you could get uh, you know, a package anywhere in the country and now anywhere in the world in a couple of days, and it would get there overnight. And uh, and all his professors said, these are the professors at the Ivy League, said, ah, this is never going to work. They laughed at him and said, they gave him a C on his paper saying, this idea is the dumbest thing we've ever heard. There is no way you're going to make this happen. And of course, now FedEx is an incredible operation. You see its purple uh, trucks everywhere. My point is, Fred Smith has created hundreds of thousands of jobs. He has made many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of people rich because of the profitability of FedEx. It is a company that other countries uh, in the world, entrepreneurs in other countries have tried to mimic. They haven't been able to do it. So I don't care if Fred Smith has a billion dollars because he is a, he has contributed way, way more to our society and our well-being than anybody around. So my point is, let's stop trashing people who create great businesses. Let's hold them up. We need more rich people. We need more people working. I am very disturbed by these numbers uh, that we still have a very low labor force participation rate. By my estimates, we should have five to six million more people working. Labor Day, we stopped these incredibly dumb excess unemployment benefits. We paid people um, you know, hundreds and hundreds and then thousands and thousands of dollars uh, a month of extra benefits on top of the normal benefits. Then we expanded food stamps. Then we have, we had the rent free stuff. You know, you couldn't be evicted and we sent out cash. We got to stop that. We got to stop making people dependent on government and let the free enterprise system in this country work. By the way, the guy who owns this radio show and is a great dear friend who's given me the privilege of doing this show, John Katsimides, perfect example. Started a little grocery store in New York. Now he's, I don't know how well, how well off John is. I think he's worth a lot of money because he's so successful and he has created so many thousands of jobs for people in New York, good paying jobs. Those kind of people need to be celebrated. So if you're not working, work, go out and get a job, get, get off the couch 
and go get a job and be a productive citizen. You know, the, the health statistics and the financial statistics show the worst thing you can do is sit home and stay on government uh, benefits, especially when you're in your working years. So that is my uh, key message for the day. We have a couple of really great uh, people lined up to talk about the state of the economy, uh, the state of politics. Uh, my Before we go to the break, I'm going to say this one more time. Joe Biden, stop playing class warfare. Stop pitching the rich against the poor, whites against blacks. Everything's racism and sexism and this is and that. This is a great country. We are all on the same team. We all want to make America great and keep America great. We believe in the greatness of our country. You see the people who come. You know, there's a great thing. Bill Maurer, of all people, uh, on uh, HBO, who's a liberal. I know Bill Maurer. I've been in show many, many, probably 15 times. He and I don't agree on a lot. But he had a great segment this past, week, past weekend where he said, look, you don't think this is a great country? Look at all these people around the world are trying to come here. The Afghans are trying to grab out of these airplanes before they leave so they can come to America. Uh, God bless this great country of ours. We are privileged to be in the greatest country on earth. Okay, you're listening to more money. Sorry for my rant, folks, but I feel strongly about this. You cut me, I bleed red, white, and blue. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to more money on 77 Talk Radio WABC. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio WABC. I've said it so many times before, but I will say it again. This is the single best talk radio station in the United States. It has an amazing reach. Uh, we reach everywhere from up to Maine. To, I've had callers call in from Georgia. Uh, we are all over the East Coast, and so it is a great privilege for me to host this show every Saturday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m., the More Money Show. Uh, so we have two great guests uh, this week uh, who have taken some time off on their Labor Day weekend to uh, come on the show, so I'm very thankful for that. Uh, for the first is David Banson, who uh, you all know David Banson. He is uh, all over Fox News and Fox Business News. He's one of the top financial analysts in the United States of America. He's with the Banson Group and is a good friend. So, David, thank you so much for joining us. And then we also have uh, my colleague, uh, my buddy from the Wall Street Journal years. Uh, I spent 10 years at the Wall Street Journal editorial board. I think John was there a lot longer than that. Uh, he is one of the top political minds. He's now with National Review. He also is uh, my right-hand man at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. When I was mentioning earlier about the Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline, John is our political reporter who just, you know, gets great stories on things you're not going to read in the mainstream uh, media. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, let's get right down to it. David Batson, what is your um, take on the jobs report? Uh, I'm looking at the Wall Street Journal headline today, De Delta variant throttles job growth. Um, is that all there is to this story? Is there more? And, and by the way, you know, I don't think those jobs numbers were all that bad. I mean, we did have a revision upward of 100,000 from the previous month. But what is your take? Well, it's not just that I don't think that the Delta variant was the main factor. I don't necessarily even think it was a factor. I think that what you see under the hood with uh -huh. the labor participation force still not improving, yep. despite the yep. fact that so many new jobs have come back, uh, that you, you kind of have a really big disconnect here. 
in that you've seen a dramatic improvement in the unemployment rate, a dramatic improvement mm -hmm. in jobs coming back from the sort of idiosyncratic event of last year. And yet yeah. there are apparently um, something to the tune of 2%. It's making a 2% difference in the labor participation force yeah. of yeah. people that have given up on looking for a job. And so until we get a good month or two past this September moment of that atrocity that was the extension of federal supplemental unemployment, right. <laughs> right. Uh, we're not going to have a good enough clarity to really be able to know what's going on. Well, the reason I have you on this show is because I agree with you 100 percent. I couldn't agree more. I, I do think there is some, uh, you know, de uh, Delta variant, um, you know, influence. But I but but the main point that you're making, I completely agree on that these uh, unemployment benefits. And, and by the way, David, it's not just unemployment benefits. As you know, we're working very closely with Casey Mulligan, who's one of the top labor economists in the country at the University of Chicago. And he points out, you know, it's not just the extra unemployment benefits. People are now getting extra food stamps. We're giving them rental assistance. We're giving people these checks that we're sending out. Remember at the beginning of the year, everybody got $3,000 and now they're doing $300 per child, uh, you know, um, per month. Uh, so you got three kids, we're giving you a thousand dollar check. I mean, people are just getting all of this free money from Washington. And I say that that's the main factor behind this stalled out labor force participation. Well, no, I totally agree. And and I think the only comment I make on why I'm downplaying the Delta intervention yep. is that the, the leisure and hospitality numbers didn't get worse. Right. You would That's think right. that, that would have been the place in which jobs would have gone the first. But I think people continue to underestimate the American people's insistence upon getting their lives back. They're still flying. They're still eating out. They're still traveling. And leisure hospitality has not come all the way back the way I want, but it it didn't get worse. And that's why it's hard to kind of point Delta on that that number. I, I want to get to John Fund in one second, but I want to ask you one other question, uh, David, before we uh, go to our first break. And that is, you said something um, on, I think it was in Fox Business the other day I was watching, and it was something to the effect that, you know, one and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was something to the, to the extent that you know um, that j because Joe Biden's capital has been so drained by the cat catastrophe that's happened in Afghanistan, that this makes it less likely that we're going to have this horrific three and a half trillion dollar spending bill that redistributes income and raises taxes, and that that may, <laughs> you know, in a, in a way, you know, in other words, what I'm saying is I'm perplexed at the stock market, your investor friends keep investing in this economy, even though, you know, Biden's throwing all these negatives at the economy. Are you saying you don't think it's going to happen? Yes. And, and so this is the discussion I've been having with our mutual pal, Larry Kudlow, all year, is yeah. that I think the stock market understands James Madison and Alexander Hamilton better than, than an awful lot of, uh, of uh, others do, because the reality is that cinema and mansion have always been worst case, worst case, a hedge mm -hmm. against the actual plan that Biden right. proposed. Now, something in the middle could still be negative. I don't want to see any movement higher in marginal rates on corporate income or investment income. Right. But my right. point is that the tail risk has always been able to be priced out because the Democrats just simply haven't had the margin. And the thing that no one has ever commented on but me, and I don't know why, because I'm never the only one right about anything, it's not just the Senate. It's the House. Yeah. 
Three-vote margin. Three-vote margin. It's not (laughs) enough to get radical legislation done like this. So I think that the market is optimistic, and I share the market's optimism. And I think your point about Biden's weakening political capital, uh, you heard me correctly. Cinema wasn't going to vote for this thing before, but she's sure not going to vote for it now. (laughs) All right, John Budd, weigh in here. This is your area of expertise. Do you agree with uh, the political calculus here? Well, first of all, on the unemployment numbers, uh, again, as we saw before, Unemployment keeps going down. The unemployment rate keeps going down only because the labor participation force <laughs> right, is going right. down. But also, yeah. notice there is a stubborn number. African American unemployment continues to remain high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not declining, which tells me that some of the most vulnerable people to layoffs and uh, mm-hmm. and COVID are staying out of the labor force, and that would be the African American population. So this is this is not good news. Uh, secondly, on the um, on the what I call the Biden Bernie bankruptcy bill, three point mm-hmm. five trillion dollars. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that they Democrats are going to have to have a um, a come to AOC moment. Uh, they're not very religious, so I call it come to AOC. They're going to have <laughs> to figure out with the progressives uh, that they can pass something that's maybe a trillion, maybe a trillion and a half. But they should take their winnings and exit the casino, because if they try to go for everything, I can almost guarantee that David's right, that they are the moderates are going to be nervous that with Biden at 43 percent or 44 percent approval rating and no prospect of that going up, uh, they could that bill could cost them their seats. Remember, Obamacare cost the Democrats a bunch of seats in 2010. Uh, Hillary Care. And uh, tax increases cost the Democrats a bunch of seats in 1994. So, the yeah. same thing could happen again. John, uh, you, re- uh, you, you saw that piece uh, in the Wall Street Journal yesterday that's gotten all the attention by uh, Joe Manchin saying uh, something to the effect that, you know, he can't vote for three and a half trillion dollar spending bill and that we should take a pause. That's his term, a pause. Um, can we try? I've been asked this so many times in the last 48 hours, but I wonder what your take is on this. Can we trust Joe Biden to keep his word? I mean, not, I'm sorry, not Joe Biden, uh, Joe Manchin. <laughs> no, of course not. You can't trust any politician to necessarily keep their word. However, <laughs> it is in Manchin's self-interest to have a much slower process. Remember, Manchin is unreliable on final votes. He is not unreliable on tactics. Uh, he knows that if, if you abandon regular order, if you don't even read the bill, if you jam this through, there's going to be a, ho- a, a host of horror stories coming out of this bill that will discredit it and damage yeah. moderate Democrats. Also, the longer the process goes, the more Manchin can, let, can wheedle more concessions for his state, more concessions for his favorite pet projects out of it. Right. It right. makes perfect sense for Manchin to want to slow the process down. That increases his influence. And if we slow the process down, we have a much less worse bill. And so, can uh, I just point gonna, out, too, to John's point, Steve, if he slows it down, yeah. you might get on the other side of the November Virginia election. And see, I don't think the California recall is a national bellwether at all, but I do think the Virginia governor race is. And, and if, if, if the Republicans pull that out in Virginia, I think that costs 20 House Democrat votes to get scared about going with this radicalism. I really do. So uh, that's a great point. And uh, hold on, John, let let me just make one quick point here. Um, David, you know, what's really interesting, look at the polls in New Jersey. 
you know, you've got uh, the governor of New Jersey, who is Murphy, who is only at about 46 percent at the polls. And, you know, lightning could strike there as well. But we're going to go to break in one second. So I want to both ask you for a quick prediction. We have one minute before we go to break. Um, what, you know, Biden wants three and a half trillion. David, what is your best guess um, for, you know, what the pri final pri price tag will be for this bill? And how high do you think they'll raise the corporate tax rate? I think they're going to raise the corporate tax rate to 25, but go to full expensing on R&D, which is set to expire. So net receipts will be zero, meaning uh, I think they're going to kind of look like they raised the rate, but, uh, which, but not actually raise the revenue. Um, total spending costs will have a one in front of it if they can get anything done. The reason why I say if yeah. is, yeah, Manchin yeah. and Cinema would vote for something with a one in front of it, but the progressives may not. Okay, John, what is your prediction on that? Both those things. Uh, David is absolutely right on both. Uh, you know, the Democrats have had a parade of lobbyists come through, including many that support their candidates, saying don't vote for higher corporate taxes. So they'll go for the perception of raising them, but not the reality. Okay. Uh, I th I'm pretty close to where you are. By the way, 25%. We're right now at 21%. So that's moving us in the wrong direction, but it's not the 28% uh, that Biden wants. We'll be right back, folks. Uh, I'm with David Banson of the Banson Group and John Fund from National Review and Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Uh, we're we're going to also, in, in about 15 minutes, take your questions on the More Money Hotline. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to Talk Radio WBC. Uh, we will be back in a minute. It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to More Money at 77 Talk Radio WABC. We're going to be taking your calls in about 10 to 15 minutes. And I want to hear from you about what you think about this $3.5 trillion massive debt package with the biggest tax increase in the history of America included in it. Uh, you just heard John Fund call this the Biden-Bernie bankruptcy bill, and I couldn't agree with them more. But I'd love to hear whether you're for it against it. I hear from Democrats and Republicans. So here's the number to call uh, in, a, in a few minutes, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222 or 1-800-848-WABC. Hope you're all having a great uh, Labor Day weekend. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend on the East Coast. I have two fantastic guests, uh, David Banson of the Banson Group, who's one of the top uh, investment advisors in the United States of America. And we have John Fund, who happens to be one of the great political analysts of, uh, in the United States of America. So uh, we have uh, a superstar panel. John Fund, um, can you give me just a quick two-minute summary of three races, okay? The California uh, recall race, the New Jersey governor race, and I'm going to add to that one the the uh, the uh, Virginia New uh, New Jersey both have governors races this year. So, w w give us your quick update on those. Well, the California recall is going to have a hundred million dollars spent to save Gavin Newsom's sorry political future. A hundred million. A hundred million, and that's oh, probably going to be eight times what is spent to try what, to recall. Hey, that. John. John, where's that money coming from? Uh, it's coming from largely public employee unions because Newsom oh my God. funneled money to them. Also, George Soros is in for a million dollars. 
Oh, God. And of course, trial lawyers and the usual people, because they realize that if California were <laughs> to recall Gavin Newsom, the the Biden bill would be dead. Um, that would. So, be what are the odds? What are the odds? What are you? What are you placing the odds now that uh, that uh, Newsom is recalled? Oh, I think only about thirty percent. Uh, I think that 30%. the Democratic pr- strategy of getting their base vote out by scaring people about what Larry Elder would do as governor uh, is working. Uh, so it's not over. But it doesn't look okay. good. As for okay, New, New Jersey, Jersey. Uh, I have to think that Governor Murphy will win re-election because he has all of the advantages of the Democratic machine and spending. However, he stubbornly remains, as you pointed out, below 50 percent in the polls. That's a mm-hmm. dangerous point for an incumbent because an incumbent is universally known. And if you're not willing to vote for him at this point, what would change to make you vote for him in the future? Well, John, John, you and I remember when. Uh, was it um, Christy Whitman versus pull, Jim pull, pull Yeah, so it could be a repeat of that. Uh, who knows? But OK, give me a, your quick assessment of Virginia. Well, again, uh, using the 50 percent benchmark, Terry McAuliffe has been governor of Virginia already. He is 100 percent known to the voters. He's still below 50 percent. In fact, he's only hit 50 percent in one out of 20 polls that have been conducted so far. So I think that he's actually an underdog because Youngkin has the money and he has the organization and he has the grassroots get out the vote effort to bring the Republican vote out and the independent vote. I also think that Hispanics are swinging against uh, uh, McAuliffe because they're upset about the COVID restrictions. An enormous number of minority-owned small businesses in Northern Virginia have closed their doors. They couldn't keep open. So I think Virginia is actually tilting slightly Republican. David Banson, let's sw- uh, swing to the stock market. Uh, I made a big mistake at the beginning of this year. I bet against America, and I pulled a lot of my money out of the market, which wasn't a very good idea because I, I just was so terrified of the Biden agenda. And yet the stock market has been a complete rocket ship. My friend uh, Jeff Yass at Susquehanna Capital says just the increase in the valuation of American assets this year has been greater than uh, than all of the listings of Chinese companies. So, you know, it's been an incredible and so the question is, can it continue? Well, it, it, it can to some degree, but I think there are a lot, large portions of the market that are pretty well stretched in valuation. But I agree with the thesis of betting against America and betting against corporate America's ability to expand profit margins beyond what we think is possible has, has not been yeah. a very good bet. Um, my right. view is that the market still has plenty of opportunities in certain sectors, but it is a time to be much more selective. In other words, the easy money has been made, and that's generally the good part for index investors. But I think at this point, uh, people are going to have to be more selective. I mean, can uh, uh, Amazon trading at 100 times earnings get up to 120 times earnings? I was sure it could, but that's all you're betting on at this point with some of these overstretched valuations is multiple expansion, where I think that there are still financials. God knows the energy sector has plenty of value and consumer staples. There, there's some areas that I still think have opportunity. And you have to remember, Steve, even though you don't like it and I don't like it, we're doing all this against an easy money paradigm where right, the comparison right, right. is to a 1% treasury rate. And so it, it sure. allows for investors to take more risk because there is no alternative. Well, David, how much longer can that go on? I mean, is the world so simple that all we have to do is just keep pouring money into an economy and the stock market goes up? 
Well, remember, we have not just simply had valuations go higher. Profits are up 40% this year. Now, a lot of that is based on a real low level from last year out of the COVID lockdowns. Uh, But what we were getting is, you well recall, we were getting CapEx again after the Trump tax cuts. We were getting the supply side going. We were getting uh, some non-residential fixed investment into the GDP number. And so you look at what was happening in 2019, you said, okay, well, this, you know, 10-year economic expansion is getting some extra innings, and then COVID came. So I've been trying my best to not analyze this based on the COVID (laughs) moment or even the COVID recovery, but the post-post-COVID moment, which certain governors and teachers unions don't want to ever happen. But the reality is my question about the economy is not about Joe Biden. Uh, The political correlation to these things is sketchy at best. My question is on the supply side. Are we going to get investment into productivity that expands the economy a couple more years? And I don't know the answer into 2022 and 2023. It's a big open-ended question. So a question for both of you, but first for you, David, about just these American companies. I mean, you're right. This is being driven by profits, the the drive up in the market. And uh, the profitability of American companies is really an incredible thing to behold. How is it? I mean, this is a broad question, but we're just beating the pants up off of, off of Europe, off of Asia, off of China. Uh, what what if, what is behind the amazing American success story in terms of these incredible businesses? Well, here here's the answer: is we have the talent, we have the ingenuity, we have the innovation, right. we have the DNA, right. we have the entrepreneurialism. Um, <laughs> right. But there, there's one area where China's beating our pants, and that's in the bond market and currencies. And, and so, uh-huh. what, what we have is a, a addiction to low cost of capital, and what they have is a desire to be more globally competitive with their currency. And so you almost get in a situation where a global investor might want to go long U.S. equity, but long China currency. And I don't like saying that because I want King Dollar, you know, but we're, we're not living in that environment. And so, the, you're, the, listen, if anyone's paying attention, it should be a non-ideological conclusion. You want right. to bet on self-interest. You want to bet on the profit motive, and you <laughs> want to bet on the ingenuity of the American free enterprise system. So, John Fund, uh, you know, a lot of this ties into this gigantic, uh, massive uh, debt spending bill that, uh, and tax bill that Biden wants. And you were saying that uh, you think it's going to be about maybe half the size that they want. But that's still that's still a lot of money, one point seven trillion or so dollars. But uh, how nervous are the Democrats uh, in the House? We always talk about the Democrats in the Senate, like Cinema and Joe Manchin. But there are at least 15 Democrats in Republican districts. Is, is, is Nancy Pelosi going to be able to get her vote? And let me just add one other thing to that before I let you answer this. You know, it was interesting. AOC really lit into Joe Manchin. <laughs> I don't know if you saw her tweet, but boy, she just ripped him apart. So is their coalition coming apart? Uh, no, because I believe that in the end, uh, they're all going to jump off the cliff like lemmings. However, they can only yes. lose three or four lemmings in the House, as David mentioned. Right. And I yeah. don't believe that when this vote comes up, which will be November or December, I mean, we've just seen that, you know, Biden's poll numbers, new polls just came out this morning. He continues to decline. I don't believe Democrats are going to jump off. All of Every single Democrat is going to jump off the cliff for Joe Biden. Uh, 
So they don't have to they don't have to lose their coalition's cohesiveness. They just have to lose three or four people. And in the House, remember, everyone is up for election next year. In the Senate, it's only one out of three. So um, the big question now is, you know, how bad this bill will be. Uh, let me kind of, David, what do you think? Uh, obviously, we don't know all the aspects of this bill. I hear that it could be as many as 10,000 pages long. And uh, it's going to be, of course, no one's going to read it. But what are, what do you think are the most negative features of this bill that you, that you see, whether it's the taxes, the debt, the IRS funding, the union stuff? I mean, what do you think is the most damaging to the economy? And that, by the way, we're talking to David Banson and John Fund. David, you go first. Yeah, I mean, if it were to really happen, the worst part would be the headline issues on marginal tax rates, you know, right. the revamping of investment income, the idea of getting rid of step up. I mean, you would just yeah. create so much. Step, by the way, so, so, hold on. David, step up. Dave, David, explain to people what step up. What do you mean? What you mean by that? Yeah, of course. Right now, people invest into a project. They buy stock in a company. They invest in their own business. They buy real estate. And when they die and pass it on to their heirs, the heirs get what's called a step-up in basis. So maybe mom and dad invested 500 grand. It's now worth $2 million. And then um, they don't have to pay taxes on that million and a half gain just because mom and dad died, which forces all kinds of sales of assets and desperate sales, and it creates huge disincentives. Well, with the step-up is a great idea to kind of keep continuity, keep proper capital right. allocation. They're proposing getting rid of it, and, and they're proposing getting rid of it for no reason whatsoever. Um, it is not in any way a revenue generator. It is purely driven by uh, class warfare, and, and I think it's a disaster. But, but I'm picking one thing, and, and I bet you I could say that it's a tie for 10 things if we have the time to go into it. This bill is so bad that it's almost hard to answer because a lot of the things you just know can't ever happen. And then the amendments that they, and I bet John knows a lot about this, they were passing mm -hmm. amendments five minutes after they passed the framework that were totally undermining it. This, the small business increase Joe Biden wants to get rid of what uh, you guys did for LLCs and S-Corps by kind right. of extending um, a backdoor corporate tax cut to small business owners. Biden wants to get rid of that. And then five minutes later, the Senate voted to define a small business as less than 500 employees. And so they, they, they basically have already cut out some of the most extreme <laughs> stuff that they could be doing. But, you know, it's interesting, John Fund, uh, that I was just I have the Wall Street Journal right in front of me. And there's a story here that I was reading this morning about <laughs> the title is Bill Funding Vexes Democrats. And what they are saying is Democrats can't find a way to pay for this bill. And, uh, there, you know, it turns out all these tricks and schemes and scams they have to, to so-called to raise revenue and so on are, aren't being scored as revenue raisers. And so they're a trillion dollars uh, behind. Uh, how big of a problem is that going to be for the Democrats? Are they just going to massively increase the debt? Uh, a lot of them want to try to do that. However, I think the media will eventually start asking questions because, remember, yeah. even people in the media are in the stock market, and even people in the media have economic futures and retirement plans. And everybody knows that the, the pileup of debt does have an end point. And I believe we have a race right now between what David would call you know, productivity-based economic growth and artificial right. economic growth from the Fed. And I think we are clearly past the point 
where uh, we can trust the Fed's artificial economic growth to sustain us. It's, it's, it's going, people are not going to buy that this casino can stay open much longer. So on the way out, David Banson, I want to ask you another prediction. Um, that is, uh, do you think Jerome Powell will be reaffirmed, uh, re renominated by, uh, by uh, President Biden to head the Fed? And if not, who, who, assuming for a minute it wasn't going to be him, who would it be? Well, there's no question if it wasn't going to be him, it'd be Lael Brainerd. And so all of us should hope it will it will be Chairman Powell. And yes, he will. Wait, wait, be wait, wait. Sorry. Sorry. Who would it be? Lael Brainerd. Oh, OK. Is he bad? I don't know much about him. It's she and and she was, who, she was who they were looking at for Treasury Secretary when Janet Yellen got it. Uh, so okay. there, there's a, a kind of chatter that the reason Janet Yellen came out supporting Powell to be reappointed is because Brainerd could be a successor to Yellen in Treasury. Uh, but, uh, okay. I, can you even imagine a Treasury Secretary coming out in favor of reappointing a Fed chair <laughs> when this Treasury Secretary was once the Fed chair? If the That's president amazing. wasn't really going to reappoint him, I just don't believe it. Okay, so John Fund, on the way out, uh, what are the chances that Republicans win at least one of those three big races that we've got, the one in New Jersey, the one in California, or the one in uh, uh, Virginia? Uh, better than 50 percent, less than 70 and will this slow the Democrats down if we win one of those three? Virginia uh, alone would be uh, a wake-up call for them because this is a state that has voted Democratic in the last four presidential yeah, elections. Yeah, it's a red state. It's a blue state. It used to be a red state. Now it's a blue state. And yeah. it's right in the Washington, D.C. media market. They can't ignore it. It'll be all over the news if, if Democrats lose the governorship there. Okay, so um, that is John Fun from National Review and formerly from the Wall Street Journal and David Banson. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon on a Labor Day weekend. Uh, we're going to be right back, folks. I want you to call in now, 1-800-848-9222. Do you think we should pass this $3.5 trillion spending bill? Can our country afford it? That's 1-800-848-9222. Call in on the More Money Hotline. We'll be right back with your calls. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. You are listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio WABC. I am your host, Stephen Moore. Uh, I am uh, so privileged to be able to um, visit with you every Saturday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m. And uh, I appreciate so many of our loyal listeners. I've always said this, that this is the best Talk radio station in the United States. And by the way, you are smart people for listening to this station. The, the, the programming is amazing. Uh, we are going to take a few callers uh, on this issue of the Biden, what, what I'm calling the Biden bankruptcy bill. Do you think we need to do this? I want to hear both sides. Uh, we have one line open. It's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Call in right now if you want your voice to be heard. This is Freedom of Speech Radio. And I don't care if you agree with me or disagree with me. I want to hear your opinion. Uh, but before we take those calls, I want to alert you to one other aspect of, of this bill that you should be aware of, is that the Social Security system and the Medicare system, as most of you know, are both on a path to bankruptcy. The, social, the Medicare trust fund 
runs out of money in 2026, and the Social Security Trust Fund runs out of money, and I believe it's 2034. And then what happens is that the deficits get larger and larger and larger and larger and larger. And by the way, in those co-trust funds, remember uh, Al Gore used to use the term lockbox. There's no lockbox. There's no money in these accounts. There's just IOUs. It reminds me of that um, scene from uh, from the movie Dumb and Dumber when uh, they, the, the Jim Carrey uh, you know, has that suitcase full of uh, millions of dollars he's found, and he spends all the millions of dollars, and then he stuffs in it IOUs. And when he gives it back to the people who, who actually uh, own the money, they open it up and say, what's this? It's a bunch of IOUs. What, what good is this? Well, that's the Social Security system. Anyway, Social Security and Medicare will go, both go bankrupt earlier, earlier if we pass the Biden plan. In fact, Medicare won't go bankrupt in 2026. It will go bankrupt in 2024. And its deficits over the next decade are estimated by the Hoover Institute to be about $800 billion to $1 trillion larger. So we are, remember when the Democrats used to run Republic, ads against Republicans saying, oh, you're going to throw gamma over the cliff. It's the Democrats who are doing it right now. They are the ones with messing with Social Security. They are the ones who are putting more people on Medicare. They're expanding services that we can't afford. I've likened this to putting more people on board the Titanic before it's about to hit the iceberg. So if you care about your Social Security benefits, if you care about your Medicare benefits, then what I'm telling you is you don't want to see this $3.5 trillion debt package pass because that's more debt. That means the government's not going to have the money to pay back the Social Security Medicare funds because we're spending so much money on all these other programs. So um, I don't want to see that happen. You don't want to see that happen. Let's not let it happen. Let's stop this bill. Mr. Producer, do we have any callers? Judy, let's start with you. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. Um, yes, I think it is a very bad idea with Social Security, Medicare, and I understand disability, too. Right. Uh, uh, shortening the times when uh, they'll run out of money, but also because taxpayers are going to run out of money to pay for yep. the open border and the refugee imports that they're rep uh, importing for us to pay for as well. You know, that's a great call, Judy. Thank you for calling. And I take your point. You know, I am very pro-immigration, as most of you know, who uh, listen to this show, but immigrants have to come in the right way. They have to come in legally. I think immigrants are amazing benefits to this economy. They're the hardest working people. They're bright. They are motivated. They're ambitious. They do well in this country. It's it's a great, great thing to see. So I'm not in any way slamming immigrants who come to this country legally, but we have got to secure our border. And you know, you are so right that what is happening now is Democrats want to let all these illegal immigrants come into the country. They want them to vote. They want them to get welfare. They want them to get uh, Social Security and all these other benefits. And that will bankrupt our country. We cannot allow that to happen. Uh, who is our next caller? John, what do you got for us today, sir? Hey, how you doing? You're awesome. Thank you. Uh, no, I'm thinking of this whole global warming thing. For example, it's just an example of our children. It's just, they're saying it's for our children's benefits, this, that, and the other thing. But if you pass a 3.5 trillion dollar uh bill and right. i mean what's going to happen to our children that they're, they're being fiscally uh you know um uh, i can't think of a good word right now but they're just they're just not thinking of a the future they're just, just right 
taking his money and they're just destroying the kids' futures that I'm seeing. You know, John, that's a great call, and it's such an important point. I'm so glad you called in. Thank you, by the way. I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. I want to amplify your message because you're spot on, my friend. You know, I heard Joe Biden the other day say, we have to pass this bill. It's going to help our children. I'm like, help our children? I was was leaving $3.5 trillion to our debt, to our children. How is that helping them? My goodness, every time a child is born in the hospital, and, and they're in the maternity ward, and these parents are holding and coddling this wonderful miracle of a new infant, and they're so proud. And then we put $600,000 debt. That's what they're going to pay if we pass this Joe Biden bill, $600,000 of debt. I mean, what kind of country does that to their kids? We say we care about our children, and they want to borrow from future generations, our kids and grandkids. I'm sorry. That's I've used this term before. Some people are offended by it, but I don't think it's offensive. I think it's true. This is fiscal financial child abuse, what we're doing in our country. We already have a $30 trillion national debt, folks. Now we're going to add $4.5 trillion. By the way, we have the $1.9 trillion bill that Biden passed in in March. Then we have the $1 trillion so-called infrastructure bill, which is Green New Deal. And then they've got a $3.5 trillion debt bill. And they have a $6 trillion budget they want to pass. You add all up, that's $10 trillion. My God, the government is taking over. It's going to bankrupt our country, folks. We cannot allow this to happen. We're not going to allow it to happen. We have to protest against this. We have to take to the streets if that's what's necessary peacefully and say, hell no, Joe Biden. Hell no, AOC. Hell no, Bernie Sanders. We're not going to let you bankrupt our country. Okay, folks, you're listening to More Money. This is Steve Moore. I will be back with you next week. Have a great Labor Day weekend. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.